the goal of that is just to kind of build up that trust. Like, yeah, something's going to happen. Our leads aren't going to be perfect, but I need you to put in what is going on so we can fix it. And so I, I find those Slack channels very helpful because it tells sales that we are a team in helping you try to get more leads that you can close. This is the Anonymous Marketer, a podcast where we tackle the biggest questions from the B2B marketing community. But instead of bringing on guests for a quick chat, every question comes from an anonymous source. These are the questions B2B marketers have but are afraid to ask. Let's start the conversation. Hey, I'm Nick Bennett. And I'm excited to get into this episode and dive into some of the new anonymous questions that we received. But before we get into it, I wanted to do my part and highlight our supporters. If you're a marketer, it's likely you have attribution data spread across spreadsheets, your CRM, your marketing automation platform, and other places. With data all over the place, it's hard to understand what drives the highest quality leads. And that's why I want to tell you about HockeyStack. After adding one single line of code to your website, HockeyStack gives your company the ability to turn your marketing, sales, revenue, and product data into a unified picture. HockeyStack provides the analytics and attribution data your B2B company actually deserves. Get a free trial, and in five minutes, you can start using the product. Sign up today at HockeyStack.com. Hey, I'm Nick Bennett. I'm excited to get into this episode and go through some new anonymous questions. But before we get into it, I wanted to do my part and highlight our supporters. As marketers, we want to create content that enables our sales team to win deals. But 70% of the content that we create for sales never gets used. It's a waste of time and energy. But it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why you should know about Alego. Alego is an all-in-one sales enablement platform designed to help revenue teams reach their full potential. Alego makes it easy for sellers to share content in the field with the right context. And it helps drive sales and marketing alignment. It increases collaboration. It optimizes messaging. And more importantly, it gets you more closed one deals. To learn more, visit alego.com. In fact, the average employee sends around 10,000 emails per year. That means a company with 100 employees sends over 1 million emails annually. That's 1 million missed opportunities to showcase your brand, grow your funnel, and close more deals. OpenSense turns every employee email into a beautifully branded targeted ad channel that returns 4 to 7% CTR on average. Now, the best part, it's one simple platform to manage email signatures, promote upcoming events, distribute content, and more on Outlook and Gmail. No manual work, no tedious targeting, just better campaigns all at scale. Sign up for a demo at opensense.com and get 10% off today. As a tech marketer, do you know which paid media platform brings in the highest ROI? If you don't know which platform sets you up for faster, more cost-efficient growth, then you're skipping the first step to securing more customers. You won't be able to attract, convert, and retain customers to ramp up revenue. That's why Directive developed The Verdict, a game-changing benchmark and data report from the performance marketing agency for tech brands. In this report, you'll discover which paid media platforms bring in the highest ROI so you can optimize your sales and marketing strategies. The Verdict Report gives you valuable insights from over $150 million in ad spend from the top paid media platforms used for tech companies, platforms like Google, LinkedIn, Facebook, Bing, and Captera. 
The report dives deep into key metrics from lead to customer for each platform and shares powerful strategies for how you can generate the greatest ROI for your tech company. You'll also learn about how Directive views the difference between marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads, opportunity metrics, and customer acquisition costs. Don't only rely on your company's data of one. Take advantage of industry-wide insights to truly understand the paid media trends that impact your bottom line. Check out the verdict today at directiveconsulting.com slash Nick. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to The Anonymous Marketer. I'm your host, Nick Bennett, and today we are back with part two with the legend, Tim Davidson, good friend, and we're going to be diving into more of a question around revenue within existing enterprise accounts. So if you market into enterprise accounts, this episode is absolutely for you. Tim, excited that you're back with me. feel like we never left. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm part two. This is more than I could ask for. Double, double what I could ask for. Amazing. All right. So a couple things to keep in mind with this anonymous source. So this person works at a cybersecurity company and they work on a marketing team of 10 plus people. So the question is, our revenue growth comes from growing revenue within existing enterprise accounts. Our salespeople disregard our leads as they are essentially account managers, not true hunters, and already know the relevant decision makers. How do we generate leads or more generally prove marketing value in such a business? You know, before we get, before we get started here, like I feel like pers- I've personally experienced this. I didn't write this question, but like I have experienced this probably twice at companies where sales actually didn't value marketing. Like marketing was like, Hey, how do I bring, yo, how do I bring value to the table? Even knowing they know they're bringing value. And I'm sure if you looked at the data, like you could probably see like marketing is sourcing or influencing like 60, 70% of pipeline, whatever the number is. It's unfortunate. I do, you know, not to put down any salespeople that are listening, but I do usually see this on like the enterprise side of it. It's it's weird because every both times that it happened, they were enterprise reps. I don't know, they, you know, not to to label them or anything, but it's just interesting to think about from that perspective. So, you know, from your experience, you know, the person mentioned salespeople view their leads differently. You know, it, how do you feel like why don't salespeople prioritize traditional leads typically from your experience? Well, well, yeah. So especially the enterprise level, a lot of companies were, I bet, you know, and this is changing, but a lot of companies were doing lead generation in the sense of like the content syndication stuff, which everyone has their kind of point of view on that, but it's just like, it's really cheap leads. And, it's more part of a, a, the the whole game was only, you know, one out of a thousand need to work or one out. That's really, actually really, really bad, but that's the truth. It's how it was. Or one out of 500 need to work for that. And then sales teams are, hate that because if you're going through 500 leads and only one's good, how much time are you spending on that? And you just, that's just brutal. The sales, think about sales. They're, I want to be clear. Sales' job is so hard. They are getting bombarded every single day about the revenue, updating Salesforce. Like, where's the deals? Doesn't matter what the econ- economy looks like. It's you have to sell deals, and that's how they make their money too. So the good ones are obviously 
or all of them, you need to, to make sales happy, they need to be making money, right? Because that's like their whole job is like, they make money off the commission. So for marketing, if you're going to send a lead that's spending, so they're spending time and not making money, they're really mad. But if you're sending them leads that make them money, they're gonna be very happy. And that's where the dynamic shifts. But also some people are scarred by the past. So at, even though you change your marketing tactics, they're just scarred. And then I don't know if they're actually in this example, I don't know if they're actually like not even looking at them or if they're bad leads, right. but if they're not even looking at them because they're so scarred. That's really bad because what if you sent them good leads? I don't mean, it's just like, all right, I'm good. But that, that would be even worse. So I don't know about that part. But I think a lot of sales teams or a lot of salespeople were, have been scarred by marketing leads. Not all, but a lot have been because they were just a waste of time. Yeah, well, I think that's, I mean, I've, I've experienced that as well. It's like, you know, as a, as a field marketer for most of my career, like I was, the sales team was like my customer at the end of the day. And like so often, and I talk about this a lot, is like so many times you have to, you know, people say the MQL is dead or like, I have to drive MQL, like that's what I'm measured on. But like, you know, sales doesn't care about how many MQLs you really drive. But if you build relationships with them and you talk about, hey, here's how I'm going to put 30,000 extra dollars in your pocket this quarter or, you know, this year, whatever the number is, you're going to be a lot more willing to have that like conversation where they'll listen to you. Again, it goes back to like, I think that relationship and I'm curious on your efforts or your thoughts here is like, Marketing and sales, you know, everyone likes to say there's no silos within my company. And I call BS on that because there's silos in pretty much every company. It may be small, maybe big, but it comes back to relationships, comes back to the people within the, the business. And I think that marketing needs to do a better job of building relationships with the sales team. And sales also needs to invest in like build those relationships with marketing. Like I, I'm curious, like, do you think like this could play a piece into like why sales is so like scarred from this yeah i i do think it there is a lot of that a lot of people a lot of the teams don't even talk to each other it's just because whether they're busy or it just wasn't for honestly from my experience if you're like the if you're not a leader it's really hard to force that because they're just going to shove you off you need someone at the top that that forces it if it's like bad already, if it's, if it's okay, then it, yeah, it's different, but if it's already bad, if the leader doesn't force this to their leaders, like the VP, the, the CMO, they don't, if the CEO doesn't force that on them, it's not going to work. You can't, you know, if you're you know, a manager or a director or whatever it is, and the leaders aren't in, in part of it, this is everything. They're not going to make a fix, but I do think, yeah, there's just. It's always been just kind of demands like, oh, marketing, if you do this or sales, why aren't you closing these? There's always been like that. And I think that, you know, I don't know if that's like a, just a funny thing anymore, or I think it actually does come from the real because it's real. So there is probably part of that. It's just how do you fix it is the, the better question. And I want to be clear. I talked to some people where it was like that and there it's, it's not worth fixing it's more of like you need should leave if you don't want to be a part yeah yeah that's i mean red red flag to a certain degree i mean there's lots of them in today's world but i mean if we had to give you know if we had to give some strategies or tactics that maybe you found effective like if they already have the relationships with decision makers 
what other things could they do from a marketing perspective to generate leads or create new opportunities within the existing account that maybe then they can be like, hey, look, I am providing value here. Yeah. So one thing I've, I've, uh, I've seen some teams do, which I thought was pretty interesting is in this side, so cybersecurity, it's enterprise accounts. So it's obviously a different dynamic in the sense that you could probably spend more time on an account because the, the, the ROI is going to be there. I've definitely seen it where, let's just say, and this is just for the example, if Amazon's an account and obviously Amazon has tons of different buying centers and they have tons of different expansion opportunities, you already have a customer, you already have like an in. And the mar what the marketing team can do is talk to that point of contact and say, hey, we want to do like a customer kind of event. We'll come to you and we'll put on, you know, this like all day event. And there's tons of different ways that could look, but like, how can we get other people to that event? And it's like, maybe you're, you're, you're bringing them lunch and party gifts and like a, like a fun type of day event. But what that does is you build those kind of relationships with the other decision makers because you have that point of contact that's already there and you bring them in. And yeah. again, that's just like, it's not like you're getting a lead from that. It's more like building that relationship. Maybe you have a conversation after. I don't know. It's just more of like, how do you build the relationship with the other decision makers within that company? Now that might be more extreme because that's going to cost some money, right? So it depends on your kind of uh, how much that account is worth to you. On the other side of it, it could be, you know, there is, I've seen referral programs win. So you have that point of contact. It's like, how, can you refer us to someone? You get like a, a certain amount of gift card or depending on your, your product, you could get them a discount on like seats or something like yep. if you refer them to other parts of the, the company, because a lot of times they have a different budget. So even though you're referring to the Amazon's, let's say AWS versus like the shopping center, you can get them a discount and it looks better on their P&L. Uh, than the, the other side of it. And so there's a referral program that can definitely work there. I've seen some cool, you know, I think it was Loon that did this. They did these like one-to-one -one ABM ads oh. and they would like, cause they were already a customer and they would say like, Hey, blank from your company already uses us. Or I think it was actually like 27 people from your company already use us. Like, do you want to see how they're saving time? You know, for how you could save time or something. I forgot what the ad was, but it was a really cool ad like that. And those type of things you can start to see that kind of getting people bought in and, and getting people to come to you rather than, rather than, you know, just sending people leads. Exactly. Well, I think it comes back to like, that's why like, and maybe, maybe there's customer marketing within this organization, but I think that's why like customer marketing kind of comes into play here as well. It's like, you know, they're a big piece that's focused on expansion and upsells and renewals and all of those things. But I think it's like leveraging, you know, may, I don't know. I don't know what this person's role is. Maybe it's like, maybe they're focused on the other side of it. Maybe they are a customer marketer. I, I don't know. But I think it's like, if you're not a customer marketer, I think it's leveraging your customer marketer or customer marketing team, kind of like you mentioned. And I, I love that you touched on events because I think ultimately it's like creating elevated experiences. And it's something where ultimately you want to get people that are going to become advocates and evangelists, mm -hmm. you know, sell it to within different organizations. And I've sold into enterprise or marketed into enterprise before. And, you know, you go in, there's like 20 different buying groups or something like that. It's like, cool. If you have three or four of those buying groups, 
what can you do for them that they love you so much that, you know, hey, they're probably talking to other people within the company. Mm -hmm. You need to ultimately make it where it's like, they love the product so much. And again, this is where the pro you actually have to have a product that delivers, but they love the product so much that it saves them time. It saves them, you know, the value on ROI is through the roof that they're going to go out and advocate on your own behalf because, you know, customers and champions within these accounts, like if they can become your best sellers, why even send cold leads? Like ultimately you're going to have the people that are going to come to you. Like you mentioned, like, Hey, when they're ready, they're going to come to you. And I like that. Like the, the paid ad was, was interesting because I have thought of doing something like that before, but I've never done it. And I, I would love to see like, uh, yeah, I know you don't maybe have this or maybe you do have this, but I would love to see like the data on like what something like that specifically looks like when you're trying to sell or market into like other buying groups and you have, you know, say 20, 30 people within the company using you. What is like the success and conversion rate look on that? Because I think it would be really interesting. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have, I've never done a customer marketing one one ABM ad, so I don't have that data. I will say though, I've run, well, we're running 101 ABM ads and click through rates like a lot higher, like 10% versus under 1% versus for like a brand awareness thing. It's a lot yeah. higher. So it's like, yeah. so if you think about it like that, it sticks out in the feed because you're talking about that brand. You're talking about someone they, right. they technically and maybe Amazon, now the buyer, buying centers know each other because they're so big, but they'll know their brand. And that click-through rate will definitely play a part into getting them either within within a marketing list or like getting them actually stop the feed in the feed and actually read what you're trying to say. Yeah, 100%. No, that's a, that's a great, great point right there. Um, how, you know, going back to like the alignment piece and like the collaboration between marketing and sales, because again, I think this is a, a bigger thing. And I know, the, you know, the person specifically didn't talk about that, but I think it's something that's important to address. You know, in your experience, and you know, you and I have both worked with sales teams on a regular basis. What would you say, from like a process or communication channel standpoint, um, that have been helpful for you to to improve or continue that relationship with sales? One of my favorite things to do is is we actually we have a Slack channel called Lead Quality, where it's marketing and sales, and the goal of that is for sales to essentially vent um, like so if a lead comes through I, I made it very clear in the when we started it like i want you to give it to a straight like get here's the lead this is why it was a bad conversation why i don't know how like why did this person come come through our ads why is this person coming to us and sometimes it's the website you can't control it sometimes it's the ads part and like it's just like oh we need to add this exclusion or something like that but we made it very clear here's what we need if you have a bad lead if something is not helping you i need you to put that in that slack channel so we can fix it and so especially early on and we still do it we try to be as fast as possible is if they put in a lead and they put like salesforce contact or the hubspot contact and put their right up we'll respond immediately say thanks you know here's here's why and sometimes it's like they had two job titles on linkedin or uh, the exclusion wasn't there or it didn't match the the whatever that was, whatever that was, or the test campaign. Here's what we're doing. Here's the quick fix. And that way sales knows that we're on it and helping them. And they usually, they obviously just usually say like, thank you or whatever it is. And the, the goal of that is just to kind of build up that trust. Like 
yes, something's going to happen. Our leads aren't going to be perfect, but I need you to put in what, what is going on so we can fix it. And so I, I find those Slack channels very helpful because it tells sales that we are a team and helping you try to get more leads that you can close. And then even just on the marketing side, if no one's putting anything, if sales isn't putting anything in that channel, and then one day they're like, yeah, our leads are really bad. I'm like, okay, I, I built this channel for you. I don't say it like this, but I need you to, can you, can you please just put these in there so we can fix it for you? So it kind of just gives you, and once you kind of get that process down, it builds that trust together. I like that. That's actually, that's a really, really good idea. I mean, I've, I mean, I have joint channels with like sales, but it's not, it's more for them to like ask questions, not put yeah. stuff. In and I, yeah, goals too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and honestly, you know, sometimes they, they don't, they don't do it for me. Like the biggest thing that I saw, and again, I think it depends on the size of your company and your bandwidth and all of these things is like, I, whenever I join a company, I spend like the first like 60 days, like really building relationships with the sales team. Like, again, I was in sales before I was in marketing. So like, for me, it's a little bit easier to jump in and be like, Hey, listen, I was in your shoes before. I know what matters. I know how to put money in your pocket. We have to do this together. And it's like walking a fine line between sales and marketing so that they ultimately build trust in you. And it's like, Hey, you know, this is a two-way street, you know, HQ is going to relay stuff to me that I'm going to give to you. And sales has to relay stuff back to me that I'm going to give back to HQ to improve our marketing efforts and things like that. So I think relying on like building those relationships in the first 60 days, and it was through, you know, again, Slack conversations, it was through weekly phone calls and, you know, bi-weekly phone calls, what is what it moved to, but like not only with the AEs, but I did it with sales leadership. I did it with the SDRs and BDRs on top of that. It, it kind of, you know, triaged it from all angles. And I feel like for me, that was one of the most successful things to really try to eliminate those silos. And sometimes it works better than others. Sometimes you have reps that just, hey, they think they can do marketing better than a marketer can. And like, hey, you can't help anyone. If someone doesn't want to, you know, if you offer and you offer and you offer and they just don't take you up on that, at some point you just have to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to go help the people that actually want to invest in this. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I think, you know, just another tackle one that I've done and I was, I was thinking about, um, I listened to a lot of sales calls just through, through Gong. And the, I, the reason I'm doing that more is just for like messaging, you know, there's that attribution part, just kind of learning on, on my side of it. But then sometimes I'll select the, the sales team and, and like each individual, when I hear something on a call, I'll be like, Hey, I heard, you know, this conversation, this is what we're doing. If it's something I, I can fix. Or if it's like, oh, I heard that messaging, you you hear that a lot. So it's like, I'm being proactive to the sales team to know that I'm I'm trying to help, right? That's the whole, I want them to know that I'm trying to help. I'm trying to win with you. I'm trying to fix these problems. I'm trying to get these these things better so you can make more money, essentially. Uh, so I found that proactive kind of slacks, and you don't have to do a lot. It's just letting them know that you are trying to fix whatever is going on if you're not you know, selling enough or, or just make them more money. Yeah. No, I love that. That's, that's really, really great point there. I'm also a big fan of that. All right. To wrap things up, you know, what final piece of advice would you give to all the marketers that are listening who are in similar positions, who are struggling to generate leads or prove marketing value in a predominantly account focused model? Like one Mm -hmm. takeaway that you would be like, Hey, listen, if this was me, Go do this and you're in a better spot than you were before. I mean, really, in this example, 
fixing that relationship with Sal is going to be huge. But the other thing I would say, you know, I've never been in this spot where I'm, I'm in cybersecurity and, you know, going after enterprise accounts like that for the, on the customer side where there are the customers. But I think that that is a very unique space where you have a point of contact there. You can kind of get information. You have information that others wouldn't that are just trying to break into it where you can get creative. And I think that creativity would really stick out because obviously an enterprise, if you're already in it, the, the kind of buying process is easier because you're already, you know, a trusted vendor and all those things. So the question is, how do you uh, be, get, get real creative with events, with your advertising, with very specific things that no one else would know because you're, they're already a customer? And that, that stuff will stick out because it's, again, there are customers, so no one else can really do that that is like trying to break into it. Yeah, no, great advice, great advice. Honestly, hopefully this helps this person. Again, if you listen and this is your question, feel free to reach out to Tim, myself. Tim gives away free advice all the time. And if you aren't following Tim on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Instagram, on, basically Tim is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And his videos are very, very, not only funny, but they're also very, very helpful. And I will make sure to link to all of Tim's social media accounts and everything just so you can go give him a follow. But Tim, thank you so much for joining me. This was, I learned a ton. I feel like hopefully we helped, you know, a couple people out today. And it was a pleasure as always. This is awesome. Follow Nick too. Don't, don't forget about that. Follow him. <laughs> Appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Again, if you want to submit your anonymous questions, make sure to head over to motionagency.io slash anonymous. You will see not only of all the episodes that we've released for the Anonymous Marketer, but at the bottom of the page, you will see a form. Ask anything. Nothing's off the table. We've gone over so many different things, very high level, tactical. The more, the better. So again, thank you for listening. We appreciate you and have a great rest of your day. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Anonymous Marketer. For more episodes, check us out wherever you get your favorite podcasts or visit us on the web at motionagency.io slash anonymous. And finally, this show is produced by Motion, a done-for-you podcast agency for small, scrappy B2B tech marketers. To learn how you can launch and grow a podcast for your company, visit motionagency.io.